I, you know, I'll leave with this is, is like I said, I, I won't get too, um, you know, too spiritual with you, but I think it's really important. I, I love the, I love the parable of the talents uh, and it's like, okay, I, I, I always wondered what happened. Like, you know, there, there's a guy who buried it in the sand and returned one talent versus the talent who's given one talent. The, the other guy, you know, he, he did something that got him a 10 time return. Yeah. But I always wonder like, what did he do? To get the 10-time return. You know, that to me is stewardship. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Luciano cast. This is a bonus episode. Steve Johandis is a very busy guy. And so last minute, I found us a, a room at Start Garden where we could have a conversation. However, it wasn't exactly uh, a soundproof room. And there's a little bit of sound errors. So um, please forgive a little bit of the sound quality. However, the quality of our conversation and the quality of Steve himself were amazing, I think. Um, we talked about principles that helped Steve, first of all, um, you know, take a company from $40 million in revenue to $400 million. Um, we talked about what it means to live a life of life, leadership, and legacy. And we talked about how undeniable truths can help you overcome life's most difficult challenges. Steve was really put to the test as a... Uh, he actually was diagnosed with a form of cancer a little bit ago. He's now in uh, remission. Um, but we talked about how, you know, I really always looked at the power of why is like a cheesy thing. But Steve really changed my view on that um, during this conversation as I, we learned that, you know, his, we, how do I put this? The power of why is what helped him overcome these things. And so without further ado, Please give it up for none other than Steve Johandis. Well, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, me too, dude. Me too. I had first kind of met you, and uh, my dad said I should say hi to you at some point. I forgot what the reason was. Yeah. But last time I saw you, you had a smile on your face, but you were telling me something that made my like heart drop. Like I was just like, right? So, what's up, Steve? How's it going? I'm a smiley guy too, so I'm all, I'm all smiles. And uh, you go, I'm good, man. Yeah, I've actually got uh, B-cell mantle lymphoma. That's a form of cancer. I, I was like, well, smile, gone. Like, I didn't <laughs> react to it. But you, I left it feeling encouraged, which was so strange, because you were like, dude, I'm trying this brand new, I'm in this new trial for this new, I don't know if it was new drugs or new procedures, and maybe all of it. Um, and you're like, if I get past this, I'm going to be a pioneer. It's going to be a, a, in this area as well. It's yeah. like another notch in my pioneer belt. Yeah. And I was like, good God, I hope this guy makes it. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I hope you make it. Anyway, like, that's, I love that. <laughs> and then I see you practicing what you preach. And one of the things was like um, turning frustration into excitement. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine anything that's more frustrating than something like that. And then turning that into an excitement. Well, last thing before I really want to hear from yeah, you yeah. is, you know, you took a company from 40 million to 400 million, right? Yeah. And then now you're using the lessons from that to teach people what you call the 100x life. Yeah. <laughs> and so in any order you want to go, I, okay. I think I would love to hear about all of it. I mean, because yeah. all of it, one more thing, right? It was the, uh, you got the uh, emotional journey of creating anything great. Yeah. And it, that was true probably before you even left yeah. high school. It was true yeah. when you uh, joined Empire and grew that. And it was yeah. true when you overcame this, this latest, uh, latest achievement. 
Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Lucy, I don't know. I'm gonna have to ask you some questions along the way too. Uh, so. <laughs> sure, sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> that you've given me a, a big task here. So, uh, oh. um, and by the way, we're you know I'm coming in cold to this. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's on your mind. No, 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 That's that's good. I like the office. Uh, awesome. The authenticity of uh, uh, the questions and. Uh, so, but you know, uh, Luciano is, uh, you know, when we last talked, it was uh, I, I was on this journey, um, and what was interesting about the the lymphoma journey, this you know mantle cell side, this is actually started. It was uh, really uh, like two weeks after we sold our company back in uh, December of sixteen. Okay. I that that's when the diagnosis happened. Mm. So it was like the classic, you know, here it was like you have this great event happen. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, then you're like, oh, hey, well, things have changed. Yeah. And, uh, and so at first, I, I think I, I worried about it. I had a uh, uh, some great doctors here, great oncologists. Uh, make a shout out uh, locally here to uh, Dr. Brinker. He was my oncologist, Brent Brinker, and, uh, or Brent Brinker. And, um, um, at Lemon Holton and uh, um, just fantastic guy and uh, and and I remember you know him asking me a question he said he said uh, uh, because because we knew it was like super early stage uh, and we didn't really know what to do about it and he said uh, and this is like I'm 50 at the time so I'm 53 now yeah. and he said uh, he said Steve well we can either do nothing. We can just wait because we got to wait anyway. I to, mean, this, to kind of see how it plays yeah, see, out. see how it plays out. You know, because this this particular disease, uh, the typical treatment is to let it uh, um, let it play out. Because when you hit it, you have to hit it hard, and then the type of treatment you normally have to hit it with is uh, two things. It's a uh, you know six to eight rounds of chemo. And then a stem cell transplant. And a stem cell transplant is like 45 days in the hospital, you know, chemo every day, bring you to the brink of death, and then rebuild you. And, oh uh, and so, and, and really, and it's about a year out of your life because when you look at the implications of them recovering from that, uh, you know, you, you're like, you, you emerge as like a baby with no immune system and you have to rebuild it. And so, right. so, so, so anyway, so, you know, he said, he goes, well, we're going to monitor it, and, and it really didn't, uh, you know, I, I remember it didn't really sink in, but it was like, I just felt so comfortable with uh, Dr. Brinker, you know, from the standpoint that he was just walking with me. He was just, you know, I think about that Brene Brown, uh, um, uh, it's a little video on empathy, and if you haven't seen it before, it's like yeah. it's like jumping in the pit with somebody, and uh, he, he was definitely in the pit with me. Yeah, yeah, he just here didn't give me like all this flowery stuff of why everything was going to be okay, you know, mm-hmm. and just uh, and but anyway, it was just this great, uh, this great discussion, and uh, and through that process, uh, he goes, you know, we could do nothing. He goes, you know, right now, he said, hey, this is really, really is, this is an aggressive form, but it's something that, you know, we've got time. Hmm. And, uh, and so he said, or he said, you know, I said, well, what's the alternative? He said, we could sort of approach it as a big data project. 
And so he, he had me at Big Data. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you're not a do-nothing guy, you're a Big Data yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't say it was a Big Data project. He, he, he was like, he's like, we can, we can start to build data points, is what he said. But he had me at data points. And I was like, boom. I was like, I spent my whole career, you know, basically uh, our business was, uh, you know, vendor managed inventory for big boxes, all these different things and everything. And, uh, and I was like, hey, I said, Dr. Brinker, I can get my arms around big data. And now it was like all of a sudden, and that like single thing, it turned into like, instead of being this uh, like, like disease, it became like a project. It became like this business thing. You know, it's like, okay, hey, let's manage this and we can manage it. There's, there's things we can, we can look at, we can control all the metrics. Yeah, we can measure and, uh, and, and, and there's KPIs, there's, you know, so so what we decided to do, and, and again, I had a choice, um, but I decided to go through the whole enchilada, which meant, hey, getting, uh, you know, I got a PET scan, I got CT scans, I got bone marrow, I got, you know, I did everything that needed to be done. Yeah. None of which are too comfortable, you know. Yeah, especially uh, but, bone marrow one, right? But, but, yeah, but bone marrow, actually, I got to tell you, you know, I don't know. I've had like four bone marrows now done in, in the past three years, and uh, I must have like be blessed with the <laughs> with the people that have done them. I I've had massages that hurt more than the bone marrows that I've had done. I mean, I just I just I just really, you know, like I said, I guess I guess there's people that do bone marrows really good, and there's people that don't. I've just been right really on. blessed uh, with uh, the people that have done mine. But but anyway, um, you know, so we had all this baseline data, and then we started just building these data points, and then I started tracking them. And I started looking at it, and just like I was like, every time I would go to the doctor, it would be like a board report. It would be like a board meeting. It would be like, okay, here's here's my one-page summary of what's going on. Here's my blog. Here's my... And, and, just talking to your CEO. Yeah, well, yeah, it, was, it was like, hey, I'm the CEO of Steve Inc. You know, and uh, I got to manage this yeah. like like it's no other project. And yeah. so so I think, I think a lot of my... Business instinct just sort of kicked in, and uh, yeah, um, and and so so. But as we went through that process, you know, I think it was it was really an interesting part. It was it was definitely a journey. It was um, one thing that when we talked about the emotional journey of creating anything great, and and there's a, a blog I wrote about that. If you actually just look up Steve Johannes, the emotional journey of creating anything great, um, there's like a two part series. It's I first wrote it. Um, the, so the, the, the mantle cell didn't really go hot until November of 2018. So I had like a period of about two years where we were monitoring it, building data. But then in Thanksgiving in 2018, it went hot. And in meaning that there was biopsies that came back that said, hey, it, it, the, the cancer cells have broken out of the shell. And yeah. I guess they, there's ways they look at that. I, I don't know all the details of it, but the, the pathology of that. And, uh, and anyway, uh, when that happened, it was like, okay, now I was prepared. I had the data points. And I said, so I said, I remember saying to Dr. Brinker, like, well, what do we do now? And he's like, well, we've monitored a little closer. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so, and, and which was great. But then in about March of 19, uh, EK, you know, we talked and, he said, hey, Steve, I think we've got some time here. You know, if this progresses the way I think it's going to progress, uh, probably uh, about this time, you know, January, February of 2020 is when you'll need to start getting treated. 
And uh, um, so he said, let's look for a truck. And, and I loved what he said. He said, hey, I play, in, I play in the sandbox well with others. And that's, you know, and that's not your, t- you know, I mean, I don't want to say typical. <laughs> but, you know, some, I mean, that, that was like this humble, hungry, and smart doctor, you know, of uh, this, this guy just said, hey, I want the best outcome for you. Yeah. And uh, and so so anyway, we found this great trial down in Texas at MD Anderson, and and what you find is that the good news about mantle cell mantle cell is a very rare form of lymphoma, but it's about five percent of lymphomas. However, it's it's not a orphan disease, meaning that it's uh, profitable for the drug companies to find a solution. Oh. So I was I was oh, going, wonderful. I, yeah, I was going with the you know I go I go with capitalism, you know, coming through and saying. <laughs> Okay, do the drug companies want to solve my issue? Yes. And, uh, and so, but then, then it was an issue of through a lot of other people, uh, way too many to mention all their names, but just help me determine, okay, what you want to do is you want to find the best in class for this particular form. Yeah. And, and, and that happened to MD Anderson and, uh, um, uh, actually, uh, did some research, uh, found my way down there and, uh, uh, sure, as, sure as can be, uh, they had a uh, uh, what they called a moonshot program going on, and it was uh, they were attacking 13 forms of uh, cancer, uh, mantle cell lymphoma being one of them, uh, uh, a couple forms of leukemia, some prostate, you know, different things like that. And uh, basically, their side was saying these are the 13 that we believe we have on the ropes. That we can really, uh, you know, we can really make do something it, about. Yeah, do something about it. We have novel therapies. We have all this stuff. So I ended up on, um, uh, and again, this is in that blog. The second phase of the blog that I wrote is I described the details of it. But basically, um, it was a total immunotherapy-based uh, trial. Um, the first trial phase of the trial had 90% efficacy. Uh, they identified 10% of the patients uh, that. Um, did not respond, and those 10% had a certain gene. So in the second phase, they just said, look, we're going to exclude patients that have that gene. Do you have this gene? No, I, and I don't. I don't. Uh, so, so I made it over that hurdle, and then, and then what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to basically take these two FDA-approved mantle cell drugs, and then we're going to change the dosing of them, and then we're going to combine it with the leukemia drug. And uh, because basically it's like whether you have leukemia or you have lymphoma, uh, one goes through the bone marrow and the lymph nodes. The other one goes through the lymph nodes and the bone marrow. You know, so, so it's like, well, we got to clean up both. And, uh, and so it's been an effective trial. I officially was announced in remission uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and, and so now I'm on to maintenance. I'll still continue the trial. But, uh, but yeah, but totally the, the big thing is, uh, Luciano, I avoided, you know, the toxicity yeah. of these were, this is all immunotherapy, which means smart drugs. Uh, targeting cancer cells versus, you know, chemotherapy is typically a DNA Carbon breaker. Water. Yeah, exactly. It's it kills everything. Yeah. And uh, so I avoided that, and I and I saved the toxicity card for a later day. So you know, now we look forward, and I say, hey, I'll continue to be in study, continue to be monitored, uh, uh, but but overall good. And and quite frankly, I was able. You know, I had my days, but 
I was able to maintain a pretty uh, uh, decent um, lifestyle during that period of time, uh, yeah. and uh, with with yeah minimal side effects, and uh, um, so so yeah, so it's been a very interesting part, but. But the whole side of it, I think it goes back to, again, this emotional journey of creating anything great, was that one of the things that I did well was that right before we, I started the trial was I was like, I documented why this was the best idea ever. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and, and so, so it's like, it's like, why go, because, because I knew that if you think about, the, and again, the emotional journey about creating anything great is, is basically, uh, it's, you know, somebody else came up with the idea, not me, but, but basically I blogged about it a couple times and, and basically what it is, is it's, some people refer to it as the change curve and the change curve, meaning whenever you make a change in your life, you're going to start out, Hey, you're going to be high in on, on the left side, and then you're going to go down into this valley. Okay. And then you have to go through that valley before you emerge and that it's, it becomes one of the things that you're most proud of. So it's, you know, hard, hard to describe in a podcast, uh, right. but it's just, a, it's just a curve. It's just basically think of it as a big U, almost, uh, like almost like a wide U. And, uh, meaning that the left side, you're, you're high. So it, it, you could, this could be relative. Yeah, to a startup, if you're a startup, this is the best idea ever, but then if, if you do a startup and you don't end up sometime in what they call the swamp of despair, uh, then, then you're probably, I don't know many startups that haven't gone that way. And then, and, and then at some point in time, it becomes the best idea you ever had. You overcome yeah. it, right? And then you yeah. kind of like see that you overcame yeah. it and that, that feeling of achievement, the feeling of you can do things right. makes you get on that high again. Well, and, and, but, but most people, what, what happens is, when they get in that swamp of despair, they forget what drove them, what were the undeniable truths that they had in place that drove them to take this step. Yeah, because it's like, um, you hear like start with why all the time, right? Yeah. And it can sound really cheesy, but... Um, you've got the power of why is one of your concepts, right? Yeah. And I, had to, I was in, in my head, I'm thinking... Did this concept, like the tenet or principle, whatever it is, of the power of why help you get through this? Yeah, and so, and when we, I, always, I always tell leaders, when I work with leaders, I always say, look, you know, I mean, 100x, and, and I, I love, you know, Mike Moore, you know, Mike over here. Yeah. Mike, Mike said, hey, uh, it, it's taken me like three years to come up with like, like when people ask, what the heck do I do? You know, my identity was so entailed into, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of my business itself. It, it was such a part of it. It was like, well, gosh, that was the hardest question that I ever got asked. And, and that now it's like, just say, somebody asked me what I do. I say, well, I just work with leaders. I have life leadership. I'd like to see that. And it took, it took me like three years to come up with that. Okay. So, 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 you know, it's it just like, so, so I, so I loved your tagline on your podcast, yeah. older wisdom, younger questions. So yeah, it's just, it's just like, you don't need the elevator speech. It's just like, uh, yeah. let them ask the question. What does that mean? And, yeah. and but when I think about that in terms of, uh, uh, you know, life leadership and legacy, I, I start to think about, you know, the leadership work I, I talk to leaders about is I'll talk to them about, like, look, great leaders explain why. 
So when you say start with the why, yeah. the fact of the matter is, I don't know many, you know, people often confuse change management and change leadership. Um, you know, change management is going from point A to point B. It's sort of a predefined, you know, John Cotter has this great video about change management versus change leadership. But okay. the summation is that, you know, point A to point B, uh, we're going to a predefined destination, mm-hmm. is change, or I'm sorry, change management is point A to point B. Change leadership is actually point A to an undefined endpoint. You know, it's like this is, uh, and I have to lead this group of people to a land that I don't know what it looks like yet. Huh. And it's 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 a vision. It's this undeniable vision. And I, you know, for the the, the those that are spiritual out there, you know, or or the the Bible this side is, I just say, hey, really simple. It's like the Joshua story. You know, it's like, uh, look, the promised land. We get there. There's yeah. giants in the land. Uh, are we going to take the giants or not? You know, it's it's, it's like <laughs> you got to take the giants. You want to the promise? <laughs> you know, and 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 so so I I think about those things and I just look at it from the standpoint of Luciana that it's like it's like hey, when you think about if you know the undeniable truth that you have of why you're doing something when you start your journey. Mm-hmm. What I can tell you is that that will take you, it will, it will determine how long and how deep your swamp of despair is. Because, and that, that's just my, that's been my experience. And, yeah. uh, and I wish I would have known that earlier in my career. And, but, but quite frankly, I had some really specific. So if I think about business wise, I think about it leadership wise, I think about life wise. I mean, I don't know anything that today I'm the most proud of that hasn't followed this curve. Mm. And, and, you know, some of, some of the, the swamps of the swamps of despair have been much deeper than others. Yeah. I think the ones that I've been in the deepest is I've lost sight of why I started it in the first place. Mm. Why I went down that path. And, but the ones that I was clear, like, like I knew going into this cancer journey that it's like, look, there was so many things that happened that had to happen for me to get there. Is that I'm like, I meant to be here. Huh? You know, this is, and, and this is, you know, and, 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 and it's, and, it, and it's just like, you know, I, I won't bore you with all the deep, but these are the things that like, like I said, it's, it's sort of this definition of, you know, why is this the best idea ever? Why does this make sense? Why does this, you know, why am I at, I at this point in time and why am I making this decision? Mm. And if I, and if I can explain that, then I can really talk to you. Like I said, when things get tough, I can go back to my why. And then if I go back to my why when things get tough, I'll tell you, it makes things a lot easier. Because I, I then reassess and I and I rethink that says was this was this true or not? Yeah. And again, maybe I was wrong. Maybe there was things that I thought were true that really weren't true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And and maybe, but I will tell you, nine chances out of ten, the majority of things that I thought were true at the beginning were still true even when I was in a swamp. 
Interesting. Yeah. And, and those are the things that led me up the swamp, out of the swamp. Because you were able to look at, like, you, you might be having, like, a a day that's more rough than usual, right? Because yeah. it's going to be rough for a little bit. Yeah. But you might have a rougher day. But when you can remind yourself, you know, I'm, one, I'm here to survive. Yeah. Two, this is probably the, um, might be the, my best chance of survival. Right? <laughs> and, and, like, three, um, it's... They're calling it a moonshot project, you know what I mean? For someone who wants to do a 100x life, yeah. something that's called a moonshot, I, 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 that's I, I, one I, hell of a why. Actually, I sort of done I mean, that was one of my undeniable truths. It's like, yeah. hey, you want to live a 100x life? Well, this is all, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of the journey. And no, I, I, and that was that was clearly, was how you know, read my mind. That was one of my undeniable truths. Yeah. So it was, and, and, and plus I think it, it drove the rest of my practice even in terms of the work that I do. And I, I did, I, you know, it was, it was really funny during this whole process. I, I don't know, I was, you know, every so often I always think about it because I, you know, the, my, like, my, my domain, my web domain was 100x LLC. And I yeah. always used to like, try to tell somebody my email address. You've got 100x LLC and they're like, can you send me email that? I'm like, how difficult is it to remember like seven letters? You know, 100XL. But it was just difficult. So, so anyway, so it was, <laughs> I was at one day, all of a sudden something popped up and I was like, gosh, how could I make that domain easier earlier? So, or easier. Uh, and it was like, well, I found a 100X Co. CO. And I thought, ah, that's easier. You know, and, 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 I don't, and it still had, it was like, that was six characters. And I'm like, Hey, I can remember that even better, you know. Uh, yeah. And and then all of a sudden, but at the same time, you know, a little GoDaddy thing popped up, and it's like hundred x dot life is available. And I thought, how appropriate, you know? <laughs> and, and, how can I? Yeah, not and, do and, that? And, yeah. It was like ten bucks, you know. <laughs> and uh, and so so anyway, so I thought, you know, I'm just gonna rebrand as uh, it's just. I think I'm living a hundred X dot life. And so, so there's no dot com on there, just hundred X dot life. And, uh, and, and, but, but I think that really permeates everything I do now when I think about that. And, and again, a hundred X, um, just comes from, uh, you know, there's this great book in, uh, Luciano, if you haven't read it, it's, uh, I'll give you the older wisdom book. This is quite oh, That's why we're here. But, but it's, uh, it's the book, uh, uh, halftime I, by Bob Buford. Uh, Bob Buford was actually uh, him in. Uh, um, oh gosh, uh, we had a moment there. Uh, uh, Peter Drucker. <laughs> yes, oh, so, so, yeah, lo, lo, yeah, the famous Peter Drucker. Yeah, the famous Peter Drucker. <laughs> but, but you know, Bob was the uh, um, actually uh, uh, Bob was the uh, uh, chairman of the Peter Drucker Institute for many years. Uh, um, actually, uh, uh, we have. Uh, uh, a local guy, Kurt Poland, is actually the current uh, chairman of the board of Peter Drucker Institute. He actually lives in East Grand Rapids. Of all he's, he's the chairman? <laughs> yeah, the chairman. The, the chairman. chairman of, yeah, and, and well, Herman Miller and, you know, uh, um, uh, so the, you know, the whole Herman Miller organization uh, uh, always had very close ties to Peter Drucker over the years. And, uh, um, and so, so yeah, so there is, there is some West Michigan connection, uh, um, you know, from that standpoint. Uh, um, and, uh, and so, and, and Kurt was, was obviously an executive with uh, Herman Miller, but, but it's, uh, but what was really neat about that was the, the fact that, um, you know, Bob was, he had this great first half career and then he, he, he ran this, you know, uh, 
you know, a very large cable company that they sold. And anyway, but but I, I literally sold stole 100x from him in 2003 because I read this book. I was 37 years old. We had sold the company, the first portion of the company, uh, for the first time. And, you know, we sold it a few times, but uh, um, but 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 we basically we sold the first portion. It was the first time that I actually had like a you know that I had a liquidity event. And uh, anyway, so. I remember reading this book halftime. We're like 37. It's like who reads halftime at 37? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, actually, I may, it may have been, I take that back. And it's uh, 2003, so yeah, or I was 33. So, so, so the uh, yeah, he's having a midlife crisis. And uh, yeah. and anyway, yeah. <laughs> but I remember he said, I, in the forward to the book, he just said, I just want my tombstone and just read 100 acts. You know, the, the seed that fell on good soil that produced the 100x return. Mm-hmm. And it was their 100-fold return. You know, that's the parable of the sower. And I just I just loved it. I just, I was like, 100x, it's it, that's it. You know, and, and again, and I was I, I used it for a number of years just for nonprofit work and stuff like that. And then, then I, but I always had it. I've had that, I've had that uh, domain or that, you know, since, yeah, I think 2003, yeah, 2004 was when I registered it. And, uh, um, and uh, uh, so, so yeah, it just seemed appropriate and it's just evolved for me over the years. Uh, I like it. Um, so. so you're doing, because you do um, like a, a Vistage group, right? Yeah, so, so, I have, I, so, so I really, I think about it and I say I've got, I've really got three uh, legs in my stool. So I've gone from, you know, Eight or nine hundred employees to like what? Yeah, I've one one employee. Yeah, one I, man I, band. Yeah, one man band, and uh, yeah, I, I don't have people anymore. <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, but uh, <laughs> um, but but basically, you know, if I look at it and say, okay, I, I really have three legs in my practice stool, my hundred X practice. It's you know, I serve on advisory boards, and I actually from time to time I help companies form advisory boards, mm-hmm. um, and because I think that's. I think it's one thing that every company should have. I mean, it's it's funny. Uh, you know, West Michigan's no different than most uh, uh, communities. Uh, you know, a very small percentage of companies actually have advisory boards in town. Mm-hmm. You, know, you would think there would be more, but it's just it's just the way it is. <laughs> you would and, think there'd be more. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and so so I serve on four boards: uh, um, uh, three nonprofit and one nonprofit, or three for profit and one nonprofit. Uh, okay. Number two is I have two vistage groups, so I have. Uh, between the two groups, I have like uh, 32 members or whatever, and uh, um, basically represent almost every industry imaginable in West Michigan. Uh, uh, last count, I had uh, three Forbes small giants, uh, um, Service Express, uh, Comfort Research, uh, Atomic Object. Uh, uh, number two, uh, gosh, probably 10 or 12 best and brightest companies. Uh, and actually, just last week, uh, there was an article in the Business Journal uh, Five of them received national best and brightest uh, as well. Uh, um, it was yeah. I want to make sure I got them right. It was Worksighted. It was Twist Think. It was uh, um, a Service Express. Uh, um, oh gosh, uh, that's terrible. I I would comfort research and uh, uh, I oh, I'm missing one. I'm gonna think of it in a second here. Yeah, so, gotta be, so yeah, I, I gotta be gotta be careful on this. It is uh, but uh, but anyway, um, oh and uh, fine software. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, and anyway, uh, yeah, just great. So I, I love that and it gives me 
you know, so I joke around and say the advisory boards keep my hands dirty. Um, the uh, Vistage groups give me breadth and depth of like everything that's going on in the economy because I see every industry almost. You know, you see so, leaders from every. Well, yeah, industry. yeah, yeah. Leaders, you know, so, so, yeah, every, every every industry, you know, and uh, um, so like you know, they learn a ton from the group. I learn a ton from them, and uh, um, and and it's also humbling being a Vistage chair too because. Because here's the deal, I've, you know, processed with these groups probably 200 issues over the last, uh, um, you know, three years or whatever. And uh, so right now the scoreboard is still uh, Steve Johanna's zero. <laughs> this is group 200. 200. Yeah, and, and because, because, Luciano, what happens when I process issues with these groups is I have a preconceived answer to the problem based on... Um, my experience. What do you mean process issues? Yeah, yeah, process. So, so what we do is we, we basically, we use it really in a Vistage group. It's, it's not just about answering the question. So somebody comes to the group, like a, a normal peer group, you'd come with a question and you ask for advice. Yeah. And well, the problem is the majority of the questions that people ask are not the right questions. Mm-hmm. So what happens is part of the Vistage process is that we clarify the questions and then we restate the problem. Kind of filter before, it. Before, yeah, really the restatement process. And I've never also processed an issue in those 200 issues that the issue that we started out with is the same issue that we offered suggestions on. Interesting. Yeah, and and it's it just shocks it shocks me. It just which which tells me in my career I probably how much have I missed? Yeah, how how, how many how many how many problems did I solve that were the wrong problems? Oh my goodness! You know, and that'll keep you up. Yeah, yeah, and you know because it just because I I didn't take the time to really say what it and and that's part of the zero two hundred you know scorecard and it's humbling. I mean, it's humbling as a as a leader of a great company, is uh, you know, I mean, uh, um, I thought I was a good leader, and and the more I'm involved with my Vistage leaders, I realize how much I sucked as a leader. I mean, I hate to say it, you know, but it, it's it's true. I mean, it's humbling, and uh, that is humbling. Yeah, hey, hey, I was like, yeah. my friend, I was like, how could be a, how could be a, the chair of something be a humbling experience? Yeah, it, but it, I totally see it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's really, you know, it, it's like you just say, well, gosh. Uh, I didn't think about that. I, I wish, you know, and, and yeah. I wish I would have, uh, you know, I wish I would have done something like that earlier in my career, you know, from that end. And so, yeah. so, but, but, you know, that was, that was part of that, that journey. And really, when you think about that movement that we had, I mean, we had a great, uh, a great ride, you know, went from 40 million to 400 and, uh, um, and, you know, and, and I was blessed. I mean, Luciano, I mean, one of the things I was blessed with, I had, I had business dads. Business dads. Uh, and, what are business? I saw yeah, that. So, yeah. So yeah. So 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 business. You know, business dads are. So when I I remember when I, um, you know, here I was when we bought the company. It was 1992, and I was uh, I graduated from college in '88, so I was 26 years old. I, you know, and so here I am buying this company at 26 years old, and it was, and I remember Tom Highly Sr., he was uh, my partner, and uh, Tom was 52. So it was like, and Tom was like the same age as my dad. Yeah. So I had like my biological dad, who was fantastic, uh, oh. 
and uh, I had my visited or not I visited my 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 Empire dad, you know, and so it was like we just it was like we used to say Tom and I used to say like uh, uh, between you know my moonshots and uh, his wisdom we made magic. You know, and uh, because because it was actually Luciano would go back older wisdom, younger questions. That was that was I I, I never even thought about it that way, but it was it was like it was like that was the real part of Luciano. That was the real part of the story. That was the because because what what ear and, and Steve and then we had I had a third partner, Steve Grossman, who was he was about fifteen years my senior, and then and then over time we. We grew. We added a, a retired army colonel who ran our uh, warehouse operations. Uh, Joe Gallic. What an idea! Joe, Joe was like, uh, you know, Joe was probably Joe was a little older than Tom, so you know, Joe, Joe you know, having another like he was like, dad, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah, he was like my business dad, dad, you know, and uh, <laughs> and and you know, just I mean, the opportunities for a young man, you know, and this is not, you know. Um, I mean, it was just it just happened at the time. It was you know the majority of our our group, our partner group was males, and you know, but but we had I, this opportunity for this young man to have this wisdom of these perspectives of and and again, and, and but it, it really used to irritate me because I, I would I would joke around and say I'm you know I was I mean I was a pretty smart guy, yeah. but. I, I was like arrogant from that standpoint again, but but they would put me in line with their wisdom because every time I thought I had the answer, they would ask me some like deep wisdom question. That make you kind of oh yeah, they just like stop me in my tracks, you know, and it's just like that um, is a blessing. Yeah, and it just was you know, and it was so cool, and uh, uh, and I just I just think that but yeah, it was it was this this younger question perspective and, and I'm sure you know and, I, and I'm sure I know it was the opposite way it was it was the opposite way of how those those moonshot questions of like why do we have to do it this way I mean we were in you know the building materials industry and I'm like I joke around and say if I would have known you know when I left Arthur Anderson if that I was gonna spend my lifetime in you know the building material industry I probably would have like Said no way, and it, but it, but it's like it gave me this opportunity to like totally reinvent an industry, yeah. and uh, and that's what we did, and and so you know and and even that older wisdom was like I think what I really learned through that process was I mean because I was the financial guy you know at the time uh, uh, and I was responsible for making deals happen, you know, acquisition, all these different things, raising, raising capital and everything. It's a young hotshot. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and it was, and it was, you know, and I had to tech, but it was like, it was like, how did we come to closure with this, this again, older wisdom, younger questions? It's like, and then I had this great, these great, uh, you know, business actually, moms and dads, because it was a. In our investment bankers, there's quite a few females on that on that crew, and but I had this great wisdom from these older investment bankers. I had great wisdom from our attorney, who was you know I mean it was just it was just fantastic. And I just I just got all this great wisdom. It's like a wisdom playground. Oh yeah, it was, and it was just it was just it was just this fantastic thing that I think very few people have that opportunity in their lifetime to oh, yeah. 
to get that. And but it also has driven me. You know, um, one of my Vistage members today says, uh, you know, never pass on your plateau. Uh, um, and never pass and on your plateau. plateau. You know, meaning hey, you always have to get better. And uh, no matter how good you are, you're never yeah. Rebecca. Good Zambia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 I remember. <laughs> yeah, 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 and you know, seriously, because it, it's just. And, but I, but I, but I look back and I just say, like, if you think about that, that plateau is 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 you look at it and say, you know, Tom reminded me, and I this was a few years ago. It's uh, it's probably maybe three, four years ago. I remember having dinner and he reminded me, it's like. Steve, you know, you're still, it, it, even after we sold the company, it's like, Steve, remember, you're still younger than I was when I first met you. And I was like, and, and here's a guy who had like a total awesome second half. You know, Tom, Tom didn't retire until he was like 75, you know, and uh, <laughs> he's he just, just fantastic. And so, so, so it just, it, it really, you know, I look at, People like Bob Buford saying 100x. Uh, I think about you know all these things, and that that was part of that piece. But it was always that side of just never settling for anything. Is mm-hmm. and again, and, and not from a not from like a greed standpoint, yeah. but just from like a, I'll call it from a stewardship standpoint. Right. It's like you know this is this is your deal. This is the opportunity you've been given. You know, you, you, you got really two or three choices is, you know, you can actually two choices. You can either do something with it or you can bury it in the sand. Yeah. And so, so I think, I think that that was this, this always wanting to be better or always wanting to improve, you know, that was, that was that what really drove the culture. Holy cow. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so that was, I mean, that, that journey was, I mean, I, I'll tell you, you know, when we talk about the back to that change curve and, the, you know, I mean, the, the only thing I, I mean, I think if I look back on hindsight, you know, like four, 40 to 400 looks like this big game. It wasn't ever straight. No, it was, uh, I mean, I, I always tell people is like, if I, if I talk to people about banking, if I talk to people about things, uh, Let's see, I was in the uh, Swamp of Despair at least uh, four times, uh, uh, where I was in, you know, the workout groups of bankers. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it just, it just, it just, it just happens. You know, it's yeah. everybody, everybody makes mistakes. You know, Absolutely. And, and, and you know, you, you you grow too fast, or you grow, you know, slower. Or, yeah. You know, we had our industry changed a ton. Uh, we had to, you know, really adapt to it. But I, but I also say is that. Every time we went through it, we came out better. Yeah. Than yeah. we were. And then, you know, so, so if you look at it, it's like every time we grew, it's like when we grew, it was like the classic, like quick growth. Then we'd have this breathing period for, you know, maybe a couple of years catching our breath. And it was like another big growth. Holy catch God. our breath. Yeah. Another big growth, catch our breath. You know, it just never was, it, it was definitely not linear. So when you have that growth, where does the value come in? Yeah, so 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 the value side, or, or is that like two separate things well, going no, on at the I, same I, time? Yeah, actually, no. I I actually this is a great question. Again, younger uh, questions, older wisdom. So. <laughs> <laughs> Something to give you, you know, great, yeah. So so 
So where does the value come in? And, and this is a this is a constant discussion I have with uh, um, a lot of entrepreneurs, and uh, because I, I I just don't see them getting. I mean, if I think about the value we created, and I actually have this on our website, I actually break this down because a lot of people say, oh, it can't be true. You know, <laughs> it is. But, you know, I, I look at it and say, okay, we created, you know, I mean, we were bought by a, a public-private equity firm, so, you know, I mean, they're full disclosures and numbers and all that stuff, but we created, we figured we created about $150 million of value, okay? Yeah. And uh, mm. over this period of time, and Anyway, but if I'm really, if, if I've done the math and I've all, often thought about, contemplated, where was the value really created? It's like, I look at it and say, I always think about it as, a, you know, the, the, the number is irrelevant. Yeah. It's, but I think about what are the buckets? The three buckets are a third of it was created in the, for, within the four walls of what we have. Yeah. So that's like your yeah. internal processes. Yeah, yeah. Well, inter, inter, you know, quite frankly, just actually just running the company, just yeah. our normal day-to-day operating of the company, our normal sales, our normal customers, mm-hmm. our normal. And then the second third was created through, you know, people use the big buzzword innovation. Well, what does that really mean? For, for us, innovation was, I, can't, I, I know there's a formal term for this. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's like, it's like where you, where you swipe, where you steal with integrity, plot, pride, enthusiasm. Yeah. You know, pride <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and enthusiasm. You know, that's like a, that's a, steal like an artist kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, steal like an artist. Uh, yeah, Cross pollination. Yeah. And, and basically, like, in, we were in building materials and we said, look, we were doing business with Meyer back in, you know, 1991, 1992, and they were in grocery, and they were doing fantastic. And we, they had a little bit of, little aisle of molding, and, you know, 10 feet of molding in their store. And then, like, you know, they were pushing us to do advanced shift notices, uh, vendor management, things things that the building material industry hadn't even heard of. <laughs> right. And we're like, well, why wouldn't we be doing that? You know, why wouldn't we bring this to, you know, we could really be good at this. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, some of the things that we're seeing done and, and that, that really became, you know, that sort of was like, that was my moonshot side. It was this, uh, there was a technology piece, the, the analytics, the, all those different things. And yeah. we're like, yeah. And, and we started managing the, the, all that aisle real estate that we had is, uh, you know, just like, I mean, it was like gold. Like a giant grocery yeah, store. Yeah, for we, yeah. Hardware. Yeah. For, you know, in, 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 in so, so from that standpoint, that was like, you know, but that was innovation. That was innovation for us. It was brand yeah. new. Yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't new to the world. It was, but it was new to the industry. Yeah. And so I, I often talk with leaders and they'll say, well, gosh, why are you talking to me about other industries? Uh, I just focus on my industry or, or people say, well, they're in a peer group and they're in a peer group in their industry. Well, that's not really yeah, if, if, if you want to only be as good as your industry, then be in a peer group in your industry. You know, it's like, I'm not saying peer groups and industries are bad. I'm just saying that there's certain limitations that you're not going to see. And, and so we really looked outside of ourselves. That, that was our innovation. That's the innovation. And, and, and said, how can we, bring these, what we believe are these proven practices, um, into an industry and actually capitalize on it. Yeah. And, and we had a very high margin product at retail, not, we didn't get necessarily high margin, but at retail was a high <laughs> Somebody did. Yeah. So, so, but it was, so it was something that made sense. And then, and then third, but then the third issue that, that people have really taken aback on, 
a third of our value is created through arbitrage. And and you know, arbitrage is like one of my favorite words, but but you know, what arbitrage means guy. yes is simply is that hey, we understood the financing markets at any point in time and basically said, look, when you know we had private equity investors, we had subordinated debt investors, we had when should we be you know, each of those has a cost. If you think about it, it's like, hey, private equity is the most expensive. Uh, bank debt's the cheapest. Uh, like, how do you find the mix that works for you? And how do you how do you make sure that you're taking advantage of that market? So I, I, I explain to people this simply was like in we had a period of time where we had a, a investor that was a subordinate debt investor that was an insurance company. And the insurance market was having difficulty, but it was at a time when the banking market was very attractive. Okay. So like what that investor wanted out um, and we could give that investor a great return. And uh, in exchange for that great return, we were able to finance that with essentially no, you know, or very low cost debt, mm. you know, as a term law. So that's that kind of the it. arbitrage portion. That, that's that's, that's kind of obvious. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like what we did was we took a portion of, you know, what was previously, we went from three shareholders, meaning us as a shareholder group, the private equity firm as a shareholder group, and the smart and debt players as a shareholder group. Mm. And we took it to two groups. We took it to just us and the private equity because we bought out and we used bank debt that was low cost and had no equity, um, no, no equity stake. stake. So, and we, and we basically, that equity stake came back to both shareholders yeah. as that and increased uh, both of our positions. And so, so it was, it's those types of plays that I think are really important in that, that most people think, well, that's just finance. That's just, no, cash is king. It's you a know? business. Yeah. And, and, but again, that's back to the stewardship component. It's like, I mean, hey, it's like people say, well, gosh, I don't want to take a risk. Well, I don't know how, you know, take, not taking risk is like sort of burying your head in the sand. Yeah. How are you supposed to get somewhere that you say you want to be? Yeah. How, how do you maximize that business? How do you maximize that opportunity? Um, and again, I'm not saying like, crazy risk. I'm just saying that, look, if there's an opportunity that says I can manage that risk effectively and, uh, um, you know, again, there's, there's a whole lot of financial side that goes with it, but it, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not complicated, you know, it's just, but it, but it's being aware of it. And, and what I find, so I often tell entrepreneurs, I say, Hey, look, here's the reality, uh, Luciano. If, if, uh, if you're only focused on the four walls of your company, you're probably missing two thirds of the value creation proposition. Meaning only a third of your value is going to be created there. Yeah. And what are you doing in the other two areas? Most people probably nothing. Yeah. And, and, and that's typically the answer. And, that, and it's, it's fine. You know, everybody, you have to come into it. But I just, what I do is I just tell people to just try to think about that. Or if they're, if they're, if they're not a finance person, you know, try to guide them yeah, yeah, just, just, you know, ask your finance, what, what is your finance person thinking about this? 
What is your, you know, what is your CFO doing? How often do you find that they need a new CFO or something? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, you know, you know the, 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 that is an interesting part. I, I, w- I will tell you, you know, the, you think about it, uh, it is, so I, you know, I, I joke around, I'm a CPA who went to film school. So that, that just totally, you know, that, that, that probably tells you a lot about, but, but the thing, the thing was, is I went to film school as we were raising more capital because I was really, and I was doing some nonprofit work at the time for helping nonprofits tell their story. That was sort of my sidekick. It was just, it was something, you know, it was something, you know, you, everybody does their own side thing, yeah. you know, and, uh, um, and anyway, uh, it was just sort of how, how I unwound outside of my business. And, uh, makes sense. And, but I actually went to film school to learn how to tell better stories. But I found out as I as I learned how to tell nonprofit stories better, I also learned how to talk to investors, boards, all that stuff better. Interesting, like capturing their attention, letting them yeah. kind of know why this is important, and then come to do something about it. Yeah, and, and, and you know, just being able to simplify, simplify, simplify. You know, I I, I love the story. I, I know uh, one of the guys on the cover research board, Jim Malikud. Spent 30 years at Apple. He actually lives in West Michigan. A great guy, and uh, he uh, commuted to Cupertino for 30 years. But he always tells this great story of, of being with you know Steve Jobs, and you know Steve Steve would start meetings with just pacing back and forth, simplify and focus, simplify and focus, simplify and focus, and then Steve Jobs would start the meeting with, "Today we're going to simplify blank, and we're going to focus by focusing on blank." Interesting. You know, and and so. Simplifying focus. Yeah, but but it's 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 this this interesting story, Luciano, about how do you continue to aggregate your story so that that basically it's easy for investors, it's easy for bankers, it's easy to understand. And that's really hard. It's really hard for most finance people to do that. Yeah, there are numbers people are not. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and it, ta- it takes a, you know, I would tell you the type of finance person that I'm talking about that actually would actually want to understand arbitrage, would want to understand that innovation, you know, is, 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 is a smaller percentage uh, yeah. of, of the field. You know, in fact, I always say it's probably the 80-20 rule that says, I mean, because there's truly people that, are in the area of you know their their CPAs, their finance people, they because they truly love the art of finance. Uh, hmm. um, I always looked at finance as sort of uh, art. Of uh, yeah, I, I and, and, and I will tell you that there is much more art in finance than I believe uh, anybody gets a credit for. I mean, also yeah, it is it's just there's everything comes down to if you think about it. Cash is like a sump pump. Everything must flow through it. Everything, you know, so, so it's like there's, if, if I look at certain metrics, in fact, in our business, our metric was availability. I, that's all I cared about was, and when I say availability, like availability on our, our, our loans or whatever, because we had a zero cash balance at any point in time. The way we leveraged was we actually had banking relationships where all our money went to the bank. And paid down debt immediately, and then we rebound as we needed it. You know? Interesting. You know, so so it was like you know, I mean, it was it was it was a it was a true like when you get into larger scale, 
you have these what we'll call these true cash management systems, you know, lockboxes, all these different types. Of is that standard or is that arbitrage? No, no, that's it's a pretty standard. It's okay. it's you know sometimes it's part of your banking relationship. Sometimes it's you know it's it's just it's a way for it's just it's just a way to always have your money again if you're especially if you're using some type of leverage. Um, it's a way for you to always have your money going back to work. You know, from that standpoint, in terms of paying down debt, and uh, and and basically, you 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 really never have cash sitting around, and so if you have sitting around, it's not doing anything. For yeah, you, right? exactly. It's, at least it's you know, well, I have you know, I have a million dollars of cash and a million dollars of debt. You know, you, instead <laughs> you have just zero. You know, or whatever, or, or ten million of debt, and, or instead of nine million of debt, in a million of cash. You know, or I'm sorry, ten million, ten million. Of, yeah, I said that wrong. Ten, ten million of cash and a million, or ten million of debt and a million dollars of cash versus just nine million of debt. I'd rather have just a nine million of debt because I'm not paying interest on it then. You know, or, or I'm only paying interest on nine versus ten. And uh, so, so yeah, so from that standpoint, you look at it and say. Cash, you know, we had these cash management systems, and but but what I always wanted to know was, what is my availability? I mean, you know, an availability is driven by, you know, it's driven by cash flow. It's driven by, you know, a lot of times you have bank covenants that what are mean availability. Yeah, availability. Like okay, so so like most most debt instruments have like a formula that okay. says okay, look look they'll say. You have a fifteen million dollar revolver. You have a twenty five million dollar revolver, or whatever. However, that revolver is either going to be constrained by a, a portion of your assets, meaning so much percentage, like say sixty cents on the dollar on inventory, and you know eighty five cents on the dollar on receivables. Okay. And, but so you, you may have it. You may have. You may have a fifteen million dollar revolver. But the reality is, is you can't borrow more than sixty cents on the dollar of inventory, and mm-hmm. so if your if your assets are only you know at those numbers are only twelve million dollars, then that's all you can borrow. Interesting. Okay, so so then the delta is the availability is the difference of I've got nine million dollars due on my loan. I have my calculated availability is twelve million. Uh, that means I have three million of excess availability. Okay? okay, so you know to cover, and then remember, as you generate EBITDA or you generate, you know, operating income, it gets applied to the, um, you know, to that debt. So the debt goes down, and uh, so so that generates availability as well. So that, so there, so you, you can look at that way, or there's formulas, there's debt instruments that are based on cash flow, and cash flow or EBITDA is to say, hey. For every dollar rebidder you generate, you get to borrow three and a half dollars. Hey, that sounds nice. Yeah, and, and it's it's usually based on like a trailing twelve months. So so what's really cool about those instruments is that if you're growing and your EBIT is growing very quickly, you get this leverage of three and a half or four times EBITDA. To grow much faster. To grow much faster and to buy the inventory and receivables and all those different things, the working capital mm-hmm. side of it. But here's the deal. If you suddenly your EBITDA slows down, you also get the downside is three to four times. Three, three times the debt. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Every dollar EBITDA I lose, that I make less than I made the year before. Interesting. And and then the, those are always based on trailing twelve months. So so we always looked at our business both ways. 
you said, what are we going to look, what does it look like if we're in a cash flow deal, what is, which would be the VETA deal? And what does it look like if we're in a, um, what does it look like if we're in a passive based deal? And we want to know, because, because we would, we would go back and forth depending on the stage we were at in the cycle we were in, the business cycle, you know, all these different things. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, but again, that's part of arbitrage. I got that's you. part of that's part of understanding because cash. Here's the deal: you can you can you can make all people talk about making all these uh, all these unusual you know controversies with the numbers and everything. There's one place you can't lie. It's that that's in terms of what is my cash balance or what is my debt balance. Hmm. Again, it's like the sump pump. Everything must flow through. Yeah. Um, I love that. <laughs> um, so we're almost about at the hour. Um, but speaking of where you can't lie, yeah. I know that one of your undeniable truths is stewardship. Yeah. And I hope we, can we wrap with uh, you telling us what stewardship is and why it's important? Yeah. So, so, so again, I, I think about stewardship is, is, and this is, this is, uh, a Luciana Meadows story is, uh, um, I had this, like I said, I, I first got involved in the nonprofit world, uh, probably about 2003. I was quite young and, and it just was like, and, and I truly believe that that was an area that I was and my wife, uh, that I was supposed to be in. My wife and I actually supported a video ministry. This was, you know, when YouTube was first coming on board, all this stuff, to help, uh, you know, and we did a bunch of videos for a lot of, uh, um, Nonprofits, uh, particularly in, we lived out in the Holland Lakeshore area, but in the Holland area, um, Holland Rescue Mission, Good Samaritan Center, you know, I mean, uh, you, you name it, we, we probably did, so, you know, we, I mean, I don't know, we did eight or nine of them. And, uh, and, and our goal was always to make that like self-sustaining, but we, we sort of made a two-year commitment to it and we said, hey, if it, if it can, you know, sort of self-sustain after two years, then it's, it's only get, you know, you good. yeah, and, and, uh, and so, but anyway, I, 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 but what, what really, I mean, no disrespect towards nonprofits. I love nonprofits, but it just really, for me personally, the, you know, I looked at it and said, okay, I knew so many people mm-hmm. that all they wanted to do was they wanted to work their whole life and they wanted to retire and then volunteer. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. You hear that a lot. And, yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, so. So how is that being a good, because you have the stewardship opportunity that's sitting there right in front of you. Your whole life. Yeah. And, and, and we used to, you know, and again, this is my business dad's comment, you know, so one of Tom Highway Senior's famous comments was, was like, hey, remember, every person that we have in this company is times one. So when we had 800 employees, that means you were responsible for 3,200 people. Because of the families. Yeah. And that was... And he said, never forget that. And, 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 and it was like, and it's like, how is worrying about what I'm going to do when I retire being a good steward of that? It's a great question. I mean, you have this opportunity, you know, people, I often say, you know, we, we talk about people don't want to think about, they think about capitalism, they think about, you know, I don't want to get on political ramp, but they, they think about growth not being good. Mm-hmm. And what I'll say to growth is what creates opportunities for others. That makes sense. That's stewardship. 
And so what I do is I've taken the posture that says, look, in my second half, I'm going to focus on my BHAG is to impact 10,000 people or 10,000 employees a year through the work, the leaders I serve. Okay. If I can do that, I can have a stewardship impact that's greater than I ever had times four, you know, that and, and greater than I ever had when we had 800 plus. You know, so I can go from 3,200 to 40,000. You know, <laughs> in terms of the 800 times right. four versus, you know, versus 10,000 times four. So you've got the leaders that you work with, yeah. people underneath that, and all their families. And, and, and so I just encourage the people to just always be thinking about their journey as a stewardship journey is like, that's what we're here for. And uh, that's what, and again, I, you know, I'll leave with this is, is like I said, I, I won't get too, um, you know, too spiritual with you, but I think it's really important. I, I love the, I love the parable of the talents uh, and it's like, okay, I, I, I always wondered what happened. Like, you know, there, there's a guy who buried it in the sand and returned one talent versus the talent who's given one talent. The, the other guy, you know, he, he did something that got him a 10 time return. Yeah. But I always wonder, like, what did he do to get the 10-time return? You know, that to me is stewardship. I mean, he was entrusted with something that wasn't his. None of the stuff we get is ours. I mean, hey, I'm I'm lucky just like the next guy. I've been blessed uh, extremely well. You know, West Michigan is a fantastic place for me to raise my family, to grow up, to have a business, to do all that stuff. But, you know, I've been entrusted with the resources that I have in terms of my time, talent, and treasures, and I have to figure out how do I be a steward of those. And to me, um, yeah, not doing something other than what I'm doing, I just don't know how I maximize that return. With that, I know you're doing your best. Yeah. Living at 100. Yeah. 100 X, man. You live it, you breathe it, you preach yeah. it every day, and... Uh, I think it's something that uh, kind of transcends people, and yeah. I love it, man. With that, Steve Johannes, thank you so much. Hey, channel, thank you. <laughs> and uh, this is this is great. So I had a blast. And that's the episode. I hope you liked it. Don't forget to subscribe, give a five star review, and if you like this conversation with Steve or any of the other conversations, please recommend it to a friend. Again, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you learned some things, and I hope you go out there. And have a great day.